Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 94 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. I'm beginning this episode just moments after getting off of a Zoom call with two really important people in my life, Josephine Strong and Tony Baldessera. These are my two sort of direct supervisors at VLAX, which is an acronym for a charter school I work at called the Virtual Learning Academy Charter School. And I realized at the conclusion of this meeting, which was sort of my goodbye meeting, that I really needed to talk about this. Last week, I talked about track camp and how putting on a track camp, starting at the year that Gracie was born, thinking that it was ushering in this beginning of this life that I thought I knew how it would go. You know, when I did the first track camp, I envisioned 30 years later, Gracie at age 30, me still doing track camp. Like I had these ideas in my head of how life would be. And actually that vision will come true, but it certainly didn't include the death of a child and the loss of a job and the dissolution of a marriage. None of those things are in my plans. And so I think about VLAX and the, and the role it had on my life. And Tony was my direct supervisor when I first was hired at VLAX way back in 2011. And he, he said something to me sort of in the process of our conversation that he hoped that VLAX would always be a small platform on the way to whatever awaited me because he has such incredible faith in me that, that I'm supposed to do good things and that I have the ability to share my stories and inspire people and do good things. And of course I cried got very uncomfortable and <laughs> not uncomfortable in a bad way, but I have a hard time hearing these things because I'm just so quick to remind myself of all the ways that I fail. But I do know that sometimes what helps me the most is just listening to a story about somebody else. And so I wanted to talk about VLEX. We've all had jobs that we love and we've all had jobs that we hate. And when I think back through all of the jobs that I've had, the ones that I've been happiest at have been led by people that understood what community meant that understood that equity and equality were two different things, that understood that it was important to treat each other respectfully and to acknowledge efforts as much as outcomes. That's very difficult to find. We live in a very, very capitalistic, consumer-driven, power-driven society where if you wanna you know, make your millions, you have to work your ass off until you make your millions. And if you don't make your millions, then you're a failure. And that might be a broad generalization, but I do know that some people get rich very easily, financially rich, and others never do. And if you could put a value on what's important, most of the really poor people would be rich right now. And most of the millionaires would have nothing. Because what's important, at least in my mind, in terms of being a good human and a good spiritual representative here on earth, is that kindness, empathy, compassion, gratitude, generosity, all of those things are just as important as, as winning. When I used to coach cross country, some of my favorite athletes are the slowest girls. And it's because they worked so hard. They took every genetic gift that they had or didn't have and put it to work in the races that they ran. And sometimes my best runners could have run much faster than they ran, but they didn't need to. They could win at 50%. I am not dissing my good runners here. I'm just pointing out that sometimes we're looking in the wrong place. I got done with a meeting and I, and Jack and Kenny were heading off to the park and I thought, you know, I'm going to record this episode now because I really want to talk about VLEX. So we all can think back to things that have happened to us in our lives. And 
people or circumstances or places or events that have changed us and helped us. I know that going out for track saved an asthmatic, unpopular girl and gave me a new direction in life, going off to BU and running and you know, having a free education and having great success as an athlete. I know that struggling at second start and losing my first job <laughs> opened up a 21-year career in Concord, working with amazing students and athletes. That whole cliche, <laughs> when a window closes, a door opens or vice versa, right? I think that's actually more true than we like to acknowledge sometimes. And so in 2010 into 2011, when Chris Rath unceremoniously forced me to resign and my life fell apart and all of my life fell apart, I wasn't able at that time to go and apply in other school districts. I was humiliated and embarrassed and, and I wasn't quite sure what to do. I can remember my brother, Jonathan, sort of chastising me a bit, like, you should be working full time right now. You should be socking away as much money as you can. Because I was able to buy out the remainder of my contract. So I worked, I stopped teaching November 1st, and I didn't stop getting paid until the following August 31st. So he was right. I could have made a ton more money than I did. I did get a bunch of jobs. I timed road races and officiated track meets. But I spent a lot of time with Gracie and Molly. And, and given the fact that Molly died, I don't regret that at all. But I didn't have the wherewithal or the bravery or the courage to sit in front of a hiring committee and apply for a job. I really was humiliated and devastated. I've also learned in the process of losing Molly and creating this podcast and really, really looking at my life, that people respond to trauma in different ways. And that the way that you respond is the way that you respond subconsciously, regardless of how old you are or how experienced you are, until you can learn otherwise. And so when I was little and experiencing my first ever trauma, which was child abuse, there's fight or flight. And then people flee or they freeze. And so I froze. So think of like animals in nature that freeze. Mice will freeze. Opossums play dead. Freezing and staying perfectly still is a very, very common defense mechanism that buys time to ponder your survival. How can you get out of the situation that you're in? And human beings do it too. And so while my abuse was horrifying, it wasn't physically painful. So while it was going on, I was never in fear for my life. I was horrified and petrified and terrified and disgusted, all of those things. But I wasn't physically tortured or in pain. And so the need to flee didn't come before the need to freeze and just sort of figure out what happens next. What do I do? What do I do? Given that my abuser was also a, an authority figure, I just felt like I didn't have the right to disagree. So my reaction was to freeze. And so after my job loss, I did just that. I didn't leave my house. I didn't leave my house for months. I was just a disastrous mess. My life as I knew it had completely stopped. The only thing comparable and equal to it is Molly's death. That's how big my job loss was at the time. So I made it through winter and spring and summer. And I talked about meeting Robin and then starting to work at Flips. But I knew that I needed more than that, that I wanted, I really wanted to teach. And I felt that I was a good teacher and I missed it. And I missed the young people. There's an online app called School Spring. And so I signed up for it. You know, I made an account and you can go on, on there and look for jobs. And the Virtual Learning Academy Charter School popped up. Now, online education was brand new in 2011. I think VLAX was founded in 2009. And at the time I first went there, it was just high school, ninth through 12th grade. It was a virtual high school. And I applied as a health and PE teacher, primarily health. I did a class called Life Management Skills to start. And I actually got a call back and the interviews were over the phone. It wasn't even like Zoom. I don't even know if Zoom was invented yet. 
And so I had a phone interview and then I had another one. And then I had an in-person, I made it through those two interviews and was invited to a training session. And there were three training sessions that you had to attend. I was beyond excited. And I remember it was Tony who I interviewed with, who I just talked to moments ago. I was a bit reluctant. And he said, look, I know, I know your story. You know, we're interested in having you here. I've done the background work I need to do. I know you're not a danger to kids. I thought this might, you know, this might be a good vehicle for you educationally. And it was, I could teach from the privacy of my living room. And actually the room I'm sitting in now was my office at the time. The pictures you see behind me are exactly where my desk was. I sat right where I am now facing the other way, or I stood, I had a shelf next to it. And sometimes I stood when I got tired of sitting. I started VLAX and it was probably one of the things that saved my life back then because I was a teacher again. It was a much different process then. Online was very different. The class software and the back and forth isn't so different. We used a program called Moodle, Genius, I think we used. Now we use Maestro and Canvas. They all have fancy names, but basically you had like a software program that managed all the grades and the logistics. And then you had the actual class itself where kids can submit work. High school education online is all about the student and really keeping them motivated and keeping them working. You know, when you can do your schoolwork on your computer, <laughs> there's always time to do it. I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it when I get home. No one's waiting for you to show up at a certain time. That was a blessing and a curse for me. I do much better when I have a time card to punch because it structures my day. I do, do well, and I'm struggling with this now. I don't do well when, when I'm in charge of my own schedule. I struggle so much with it. And actually really finally, truly giving up VLAX is a huge step for me because I, I also don't do well saying goodbye. As I started and increased the number of students I had and increased the relationships, what I noticed right away was I was really, really good at motivating students. Students and families loved me. I can't say I'm surprised by this. I'm a very non-judgmental teacher. I take people for who and what they are. I know that for the most part, kids are doing the best they can. I remember how awkward and uncomfortable I was as a teenager. There's so much that goes into growing up. And the hardest part I have with adults, even now, is how judgmental they are of children. Like, hello, do you remember what it was like to be that age? I think this way about parents with babies sometimes. My baby won't sleep. Well, then pick them up, love them, kiss them. Let him fall asleep on you. You're his mother. <laughs> At any rate, I digress. So I loved VLAX from the get-go. When I would have my teacher evaluations, always, I was behind on my paperwork. I was behind on my entering data. I was behind on, you know, I didn't follow a schedule. I didn't document my calls. Even though it was clear I had made the calls because I graded the calls. If somebody went and looked at my documentation, it would look like I was doing nothing because I became very wrapped up in my students. And when I was done with my interactions, and corrected all the work I had seen, I felt like I was done. I didn't want to spend another hour logging all my calls. That's an issue that's followed me still. When I just had my review, it was the same thing. <laughs> From 2011, I would say October of 2011 until January of 2016, so five years, almost five years, four years really, I worked at VLAX and I got up to having 125 to 150 students. I loved it. I loved the work. I loved the interaction. I loved meeting the families. And when I was there before, up until 2016, all of your calls, your discussion calls were on the phone. You never saw the students. You just heard their voice and you looked at their work and you could comment when you graded them back and forth. 2012, 13, and 14, the logistics of my life were such that I worked at VLEX and I did that work sort of whenever I wanted. I timed road races and officiated track meets on the weekends. I worked at Flips. 
I coached gymnastics and I hosted the birthday parties and the overnight events. For a short period of time, I worked at Concord Dance Academy. I did a fitness class there a couple times a week. I loved it. So I kept myself incredibly busy. And the stabilizing factor in my life was VLAX. One of the biggest things at an online school that can be tricky is you don't meet anybody. You know, even though I have a whole department of PE and health teachers, it's just me. It's just Barb teaching my classes. Once a year, there's a big conference called Aspire. And the Aspire conference is two days in the summer where all the VLAX teachers get together. And I have to say, it's probably two of the best days ever. When I think back to the dark days of life after losing my job, I really do strongly feel that that the VLAX connections I made really saved me. The Aspire conference was great because you got, a, you got together with everybody and then you really got to learn the true culture of, of VLAX. So the CEO of VLAX is a man named Steve Kozakowski. He's like six feet, hundred inches. He is so tall. And he just had a vision. He had a mindset and a vision for an online school and a program that would help students make education more flexible. And he has done that. The Virtual Learning Academy Charter School has thousands and thousands of students. Sometimes a student comes to VLAX for one class and then they have full-time students, you know, that take all of their classes online. So shortly after I started there, maybe around 2013, 14, they started the middle school program. So now VLAX was sixth grade through 12th grade. And this was another big jump because it now incorporated a whole different level of students and a whole different mindset. Middle school students aren't looking for credits. They don't need to pass a certain number of credits to pass their grade, their year. So it was a different sort of structure and a different mindset. I never got to teach middle school. I had actually wanted to move to that grade level just about the time I lost my job. I remember shortly before I lost my job and then at my exit interview, Tony, my wonderful boss, telling me that I just needed a break, that it was clear I didn't know what I was doing, that my life was unmanageable at the time, which it was, and that, look, take a break, come back. You're always welcome back here. You know, and I felt vilified and fired because I knew I was doing a terrible job. That isn't how they saw it at all. What they saw was a woman spinning out of control and none of us knew what was coming. And he said to me, you have, you are the teacher in our school that is able to inspire even the most difficult of students and families and don't ever lose that. My plan had been, had Molly not died and I had dissolved my marriage and gotten rid of working at the private school I was working at, my goal was to be a full-time VLAX educator, to really be full-time and to take on bigger, bigger responsibilities and roles. If I was going to have a career, I saw it happening there. I lose my job. Five months later, Molly dies. And any hopes of doing anything went right out the window. I was so distraught and so disheveled in all of 2016, 17, and most of 2018. Never even dawned on me to consider going back to VLAX. I couldn't function, period. I was just a zombie. I wish I had been able to avoid all of the drug use because I think I might have been able to pull that piece of my life back together again. And when I finally did, when just before COVID hit, I started getting interested again in thinking about going back to VLAX, that I wanted something a bit more stable, that I was ready to work more. I had had the brain tumors taken out. I was in the process of, of having Jack or hoping to have Jack. And my life was, was settling down quite a bit. And at that point, I was still in an okay place with Roy, not knowing again what was coming there. So when I look back on what I loved about VLAX in the beginning and what brought me back, is two things. So they have a couple of slides or memes or little cartoony things that they show again and again for new educators that come into working at VLAX. And the first one is the water that turns to steam. So a steam engine, a train, can't function on boiling water. It functions on steam. 
the steam from the boiling water is forced through the engine and makes the train go. And the difference between boiling water and steam is one degree. 212 degrees is water, 213 degrees is steam. So it is so easy in the metaphor of life to look at the energy required to power a locomotive as too big. I could never make that much energy, but it's one degree difference from boiling water, which can cook an egg and steam, which can power a locomotive. That's one of the first lessons you learn when you teach at VLAX. Another one was the repetition of the word relationships. What's your job about here? Relationships, relationships, relationships. That two plus two is four is important, sure. Knowing that green vegetables are healthy matters, sure. Reading Shakespeare is a good thing to do, sure. But what matters at the end of the day is the relationships you have with the students with whom you're sharing these activities. That if you don't have a relationship with your families, learning isn't going to occur, or the learning that does occur won't be meaningful and the students won't remember it in a good way, or even retain what they learn. We weren't being trained in Fountas and Pinnell. We weren't being trained that everyday math was the only way to go. We weren't being, you know, vilified into drill, 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 or, you know, no, we were told develop relationships with your kids. Well, that's a no brainer for me. And I think it's sometimes why, when I look back at my special ed years and, and the students I had in special ed, why I was successful with those students is because what came first was them feeling okay in my reading group or in my math group or in my classroom, wherever they were with me, that they felt okay about being there. They feel that way about teachers too. The number of opportunities that VLAX provides its teachers is astounding. They have these groups that meet like once a month. And you know, during COVID, of course, they met on Zoom. And I think they still meet on Zoom. It's amazing. As bad as COVID was, we have connected ourselves in so many good ways in places like VLAX that were online to begin with. And so these are teacher groups and you meet, you have icebreaker games and you talk about common frustrations and common joys, get to know one another. And you end up having this group of friends that you know, everyone's in their own living room far and wide. The host of my first group lived in Connecticut, you know, and I was sitting on a couch that used to be right here to my right. That's where I announced to my, my first VLAX group that I was pregnant. I stood up in front of my laptop and showed all those women my belly. <laughs> so it's a company, a school, a business, a community, an educational place that values relationships, that values understanding that sometimes it's just one degree of difference between failure and success or good and great. And that what comes first in getting that one degree are relationships. The next sort of picture meme graphic that is often displayed is a picture that explains the difference between sympathy and empathy. Maybe you've seen it, I'll describe it. It's somebody sitting down in a dark hole and they're sitting down there and they're alone and they're obviously very sad. And the picture of sympathy is somebody saying, oh, you look really sad down there. Oh gee, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you look hungry. Yeah, I have my sandwich. Okay, well, I hope you feel better. I'm going to go eat now. I'm so sorry you're sad. So, you know, that person has shown some tenderness to the sad person and has acknowledged that they're sad, but nothing in their behavior puts themselves in the place with the sad person. And the empathy picture is the person climbs down there and says, hey, I have this delicious sandwich here. How about you come up and eat it with me? Or how about I eat it down here with you? And so that illustrates that what you're doing is you're meeting that person where they are. You're acknowledging that right now they're so sad they're in a hole and I'm going to come in that hole with you. And if I can't make you feel better, I'm just going to hang there with you and try to feel what you're feeling. And if I can provide comfort and make you feel better. This was before we learned anything about curriculum. This was before we learned the process for correcting work. This is before we filled out any of that kind of paperwork. The whole 
methodology and philosophy of VLAX is relationships, building good relationships, healthy, solid relationships with your students, with their families, with your coworkers. And all of my instructor reviews and my professional reviews, even the ones that were hard to hear, were always delivered in a way that was compliment, coach, correct, compliment. So, hey, Barb, you know, we've always said you're really good with relationships. However, it looks like you're falling back on your paperwork again. Look, you haven't filled anything in like in six months. So let's put together a plan right now so you can get caught up by the end of the week. That's not, if you don't do your work, you're fired. That's okay, look, we get it. You have a lot of strengths and we notice you're falling here. So let's have a plan and get back together. And of course, accountability is key. If you don't follow through on it, it's not that there was never frustration. When I reapplied for VLAX, I applied and I never heard back. And so I, I thought they just didn't want me back. And so I emailed Tony sort of on my own and said, hey, I applied a little while back. I never heard from you. So I'm guessing you don't need me anymore. I saw that the positions were filled. I'm sorry. I really was hoping I could come back. And he wrote back to me instantly. Hey, you never responded to me. I thought you weren't interested. So it was just a, you know, an email that maybe went to spam or junk. And he said, our high school jobs are full, but how about elementary? So this was perfect because it goes back to me having a hard time doing things that I did before Molly died. I lost Felix before she died. And it was an ugly piece of my life in the months leading up to her death. So going back to it felt like I was, I don't know, it was, it was difficult and tricky. To go back to it in a different way just made it work. And part of me sort of felt like maybe Molly got rid of that email for me so that I would end up in the elementary program. And I started right in the height of COVID and our numbers were huge because everybody was panicking about school. I remember people hating COVID and hating their online experiences. And I was having a blast. I met all these wonderful little children with chaos going on behind them. I was their PE teacher, which of course we're in elementary school. PE is your favorite class. I remember a little boy, I'll call him Luke. And he would ask me the best questions. Had I ever stepped in dog poop? Was I wearing pants? Cause he wasn't. Did I like superhero underwear? Did I know that his dad drank a lot of beer? <laughs> you know, you, you just heard things, no filter. And of course they're home, but I know that in correcting PE work at VLAX and the discussion calls and the, and the conversations that we have, PE teachers in a public school setting would never get any of this. There's no time to talk to kids individually about their hopes and dreams, about what they love and hate about their bodies, about what's an everyday food and a sometimes food. You know, yes, you can teach these things, but you have a class full of kids. Some are picking their nose. Others are playing with a pencil. Others are not listening at all. You know, it, it's just different. It's not the same. There's an intimacy involved that's wonderful, even though you're miles away looking at each other on a computer screen. It was just fun to come back. Tony had a lot of gray hair, more than he had before. I worked much more closely with Joe than I did before, although I remembered her. And we started. And, and while COVID was in play, I was home a lot because of growing a baby and things were sort of stable in my friendship in connection to Roy. I was fine. I did great. VLAX was my job and I got everything done. I got the paperwork done. I had a routine. And of course, then Jack arrived. And with his birth came all of the Roy fiasco. And with that came me being very scattered and disheveled and starting a podcast. And with the podcast came really what Tony called today, Barb 2.0, like a chance for me to really not only self-reflect and grow myself, but take everything I've learned and turn around and share it with people that might benefit from hearing it. I've often said, I don't like, I don't like reading an email or listening to a podcast that's trying to sell me something that, oh, I, did I make you feel good? great, sign up and pay me money and I'll continue to make you feel good. I am not trashing entrepreneurs. It's just an aspect of life that I'm not super comfortable with. 
most of my entrepreneurial connections will tell me I need to move on this. This is a block for me. I have an unhealthy relationship with money. <laughs> and that may be true. But what I like about everything I've been doing so far is that if you want it, just have it. Now I'm publishing a book and you'll have to buy that. But people buy books all the time. You're not buying a subscription that's going to sneak money out of your debit card all the time. It's a bit different. You know, publishing a book, I paid a lot of money to write the book and, you know, bind it and manufacture it. It's a bit different, I think. And if you don't want it, don't buy it. <laughs> Let your friend buy it and then borrow her copy and read it. So all of these things, you know, I think are ahead of me. But what I've loved about VLAX is the structure that it's given me. I've liked the connections I've made. To be perfectly honest, the hardest part for me is there's finally going to be an in-person Aspire conference and I'm not going to get to see it because I, you know, I'm done with VLAX officially. June 28th is my last day for students. And the Aspire conference is in August. I'm so sad. It's like, <laughs> I'll miss it. And that, that is a bummer for me because I really love all those people in, in that community. And so that part makes me sad. There was a piece of me that hoped I could just linger on over the summer and then be fully done September 1st. But I have a busy summer coming and too much to do. And this makes sense. So VLAX is another piece of my life that was a part, a part of me from my job loss. It was a post-job loss piece of my life that gave me validity, that gave me structure, that reminded me that I'm a good person and that I have a lot to offer families and students. And that all of the evil rumors perpetuated by the likes of Chris and Amy and Roy and Jean and the people involved in all of that aspect of my life are just that just stupid rumors. And the people who choose to believe them, there's nothing I can do about that. I know, I know my truth. And Tony and Vilax and Steve Kozakowski provided a place for me to rediscover myself as a teacher. Molly has a little white desk and I remember getting it for her in the summertime and it was for her. And she and Gracie were trying to set up their bedroom to fit everything and to be more grown up as Gracie was in high school. And I was standing here doing VLAX. I was at work, correcting work and typing away. And she came in this door here right next to me. You can't see it if you're not watching. And she said, mom, you said that desk was for me, right? And I said, yep. And she goes, well, I'm ready for it. When do you think you could bring it up? And I'm like, I can bring it up right now. And she just sort of looked at me dumbfounded. And I know that Molly was really insightful. And I think Molly saw how much sometimes I was hurting and just was so tender about it. When I look back now and some other way, she was so sweet to me. I think the part of her that was ethereal and the part of her that knew she was going to die just knew that I hurt and that, that she needed to tread lightly sometimes. And so I said, sure. So I had the desk and then I had two file cabinets with a board across the file cabinets, which was right here where this piano is. So I just moved everything from the, from the top of my desk onto that surface. And I said, all right, let's just, let's just dump the drawers. And we opened one drawer and we dumped it. And we opened another drawer and we dumped it. And we opened another drawer. We just dumped them out. And in the process of dumping the drawers, all these address labels came out with St. Jude on them. And she picked them up and she's like, what are these? And I said, oh, I, once a year, I give $25 to St. Jude because they don't charge people to treat their children who have cancer. How weird of a connection is that? And she went, oh, wow, that's really good. And so I, I explained about St. Jude Children's Hospital. That was that. And I brought the desk upstairs and I remember carrying it up. And a little while later, going up there and seeing them. And she, then she came down and asked, can I have a lamp? So I gave her one of my lamps <laughs> off the same desk. Off she went with the lamp and the desk. And, and I remember finding them matching chairs. They were the folding chairs to the dining room set. That was Grammy Babe and Papa Gordy's. Katie has that dining room set now. And it was just a special, beautiful thing. It was one of those moments. I remember going upstairs and Gracie was at her desk and Molly was at hers. And it's like they'd arrived 
kind of. What does that have to do with VLAX? Well, I was I was working VLAX then at that time. And I remember at the, after that, it wasn't long after that, that I ended up losing the VLAX job. And I remember thinking I was going to have to reset up my office. And this room became obsolete. I closed the door. It became, it just became a dumping ground for things because I didn't have VLAX anymore. That's a connection I just made right now, getting rid of that desk, giving it to Molly, and then VLAX ending. It all happened one right after the other. As of June 30th, I will officially no longer be an employee at VLAX, and I have mixed emotions about it. I have spent almost all of my life connected to a school somehow, a preschool student, an elementary school student, a college student, a couple of years as a cocktail waitress, and then a middle school teacher, an alternative school teacher, an elementary school teacher, a high school teacher, and then 10 months off, and then an online high school teacher, and then an in-person special ed school director, and then a year of grief and addiction, and then a part-time special ed teacher again for a couple of years, and then a charter school managing director, and then a teacher at VLAX. So as of June 28th, 2023, I'll be a teacher without a school again. But I think I have to reframe how I look at teaching. I think I have to remind myself that it's not just students in desks with their coats on a hook and a box of crayons in their drawer and a cafeteria where they'll eat their lunch. That doesn't necessarily dictate a teacher. Teachers can be anywhere and teach in a variety of ways. And so I think I'm hopeful. I just have to thank, when I think of the people at VLAX that I remember so strongly, it'll be Joe and Tony, it'll be Steve, it'll be Scott, it'll be Ollery. These amazing people who just understand what it takes to perpetuate the magic of education and how to engage students that might be looking at you 50 miles away or in a completely different time zone. I'm gonna end here by doing a huge shout out to the Virtual Learning Academy Charter School for believing in Barbara Higgins. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <sighs> because many times I've been at the worst of the worst and having a really hard time and somebody in that school has reached out and been a really important piece of what's made me work when I thought I'd lost everything. So I have motivation now. I wanna to make Tony Baldessaro proud. And so that's what I'll do. So in the spirit of me, be good to yourself, even if it means giving up a job you really love because you know you have bigger things ahead of you to do. Be good to someone else. Help them through their choices and struggles, their let goes and their hold ons. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at Barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins. <laughs>